At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another podcast. This podcast here is just a tech-on-tech conversation. I got together with Matt Waxer and Mike Clark, who's both been on the podcast in the past, all right? I wanted to talk to Mike about the COVID-19 situation in New York City, because if you follow any of the mainstream media outlets, according to them, New York is a, a hotspot for the virus, or was. So we are going to talk about that, how that has affected Mike's life as an HVAC tech living in that part of the world. We're going to move on to some other stuff. We're going to talk about on-call schedules. We're going to talk about the average hours in a work week now with this COVID-19 thing. We're going to talk about Aon units. Matt has got some experience with Aon units. He actually helped Mike out with a problem going back a little while ago. We're going to talk about that problem as well. So it's kind of a, a jumbled up discussion of a few different topics that are intertwined with the HVAC trade. Anyway, guys, let's get to Matt and Mike. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know It All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. All right, so we have uh, Matt and Mike, who's been on the podcast before. And you know what? Mike was on the podcast. Mike, you were on the podcast, what, maybe six? No, maybe about eight, nine months ago, we talked uh, on an interview, right? Yes. Okay, so I think that everybody should go back and listen to that podcast with Mike because some of the stories you told in that podcast were were great, and uh, I think I think it'll set this one up a little bit better for the listeners that haven't heard it yet. And I think we should probably um, pay some respects to Smokey before we we uh, move on, eh? Yes, yes, Smokey. Smokey was a six foot two, about four hundred pounds guy. He looked like, who could I say? Um, Peter from Family Guy. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, part. but without, without, so he was a bull on top. He was a big guy and he had a tiny, tiny voice. And, I remember uh, hearing your impersonation of him this week as I was uh, re listening <laughs> to your podcast, Mike. Be- be, be, before we before we get into that, um, Matt Matt's here too, and and Matt was on the the podcast um, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, when we talked to um, Ken Goodrich, and and you guys, if if you listen to that one, you should go back and listen to it because Matt was our he was our uh, crack research um, professional on on that podcast, and uh, going back to my uh, you know academic background a little bit, so but, we uh, we. Mike, you are, Mike, is that you? Is, is that you <laughs> scuffling around there? You, you all right? <laughs> I'm sorry. 
That's okay. That's okay. I just want to know if you, if you're all good. Um, I'm never good, but I'm here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we we decided as as a group here, the three of us, to to settle down and have a beverage as we uh, as we talked. So just so the audience knows that we're actually serious about this, we'll crack them right one by one as as we talk. So Matt, you ready to crack your your beer? Sounds like a plan. Well, here goes uh, my first cracking of a bevy on the podcast here, Gary. I think it is. Oh, there we go. There we go. Very good. Mike, Today, Mike, you uh, ready? Yeah. Oh, you you have a you have a bottle. Uh, yes, I do. We put we picked that sound up real quick. I got a can too, so I'm gonna op- I'm gonna open my can. I, I love the sound of the can cracking, especially in the summertime. So I never. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, that's okay. Let's so, um, well, shall we what, say this um, first rounds to uh, Smokey in his uh, memory? Yeah, we 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 should we should probably yeah we should probably pay respects to Smokey. Absolutely. Um, so so Mike, maybe you should just tell us quickly again. Smokey was a guy that you worked with back in the day that recently passed away, correct? Yes. He was, uh, he, he was, uh, wow, he made 86 years old. Uh, I can't believe it because uh, he was so heavy, so obese that you figured the guy would have been dead in his 60s. But just goes to show you that it's all genetics. Um, yeah, genetics play a huge role in, in, in life expectancy for sure. When I met him, he was in his mid-50s. Right, and he was a really big guy. And back then, back in the day, everybody drank. All most of the, most of the guys I worked with were Vietnam vets. Right, they, they, uh, it was a different world. They they drank on the job. It was expected. It was almost expected for you to drink. And, yeah, you know uh, what? You know what? It's it's funny because I had an instructor that. Uh, Geez, probably in advanced refrigeration. He he used to tell us that when he was an apprentice, he would go out and actually they they would go out to the bar at lunch and then go back to work during or after lunch for the afternoon. <laughs> it's usually a little more challenging to go back after a few wobbly pops for an afternoon shift, but uh, you know, as a young kid doing carpentry, I saw my fair share of that as well. I got, yeah, another great, I, I, got, I got another great story about Smokey, right? One day he calls the office and he says, he doesn't know where his truck is. It's stolen, right? So he goes to the office. He reports it's stolen, right? They get him into a spare truck. About a week later, right, a, uh, a gas station uh, calls up. and said, listen, you got a truck over here, right? It's been parked over here for a week, right? Is, is someone, someone going to pick it up? Turned out that Smokey, so bombed, he just drove it, smashed the truck, got out of the truck, right? Forgot where he parked it, right? Walked home, and he woke up the next day, and he couldn't find the truck because he couldn't remember where it was. Let's hope his bucket wasn't in the truck just (laughs) festering away for that period of time. Oh, my God. It was horrible. It was a horrible smell. So yeah, we <laughs> that that was the, that was the, the part that got me on the, on the last podcast when we talked about Smokey was his was his was his was his piss bucket that he left in the truck yep. and, it, and it spilled over and he didn't he just didn't really clean it up. Is that is that do I recall that right? Yes, you did. 
Smokey had a, uh, a he used to coffee can, right? And he was a big guy. And I guess on his way home, because he's he's drinking on his way home, right? And if he had to go, he just do it. He eats, take it out, do it. But he was so drunk. Sometimes he forget to empty it out, and he knocked it over. He had to knock it over more than more than a couple times. And with the urine, it just stays. Once it's built, it just the smell just stays. He tried. He cleaned it up best he can, right? It smelled like air freshener piss. That's crazy. Deadly combo. <laughs> So and, I <laughs> go 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 on go on. What was horrible is when uh, when I was first year or first year apprentices don't didn't get a truck. So right, you met the you met the mechanic on the job. You took the subway in, and you met him on the job. So um, and you ate, ate lunch with him, and usually you ate lunch in in the in, in the truck. So uh, you're at. If you worked with Mer- if you worked with uh, Smokey, right? You had to you had you had a grim and bad smell. Jeez, man, that's that's nuts. So, Mike, what what I wanna what I wanna get out of you is, and we're Matt's promised to to speak about some some Aeon stuff because I heard he was like an Aeon expert. Uh, I don't know through, about through, expert, but through, uh, through, through the dabble. grapevine. <laughs> so, so Mike, what I was hoping to get out of you because you're an NYC, and NYC had. Or still is. I, I don't know. You can fill us in on what's happening there with the COVID nineteen, how it got hit really, really hard, and how it's affecting your life as an HVAC technician and other HVAC technicians in that city. Like, you want to break that down for us a bit? Yeah. Well, um, I had to quarantine myself. My wife uh, is battling uh, um, stage four cancer, lung cancer, and. I uh, I couldn't take the chance of, of being, even though I was an essential worker and we were work, we were still working. Um, I couldn't take the chance, so I had to stay home. It was it was kind of scary, and still is scary. Um, yeah. <clears throat> my wife Kathy's had uh, she's been battling for a year. Um, she's been uh, taking chemotherapy. Um, it's a pretty big tumor. Um, it's about um, size of a. Uh, Almost, almost a pineapple, I guess. So three quarters of a lung, one of a lung, is a uh, is is tumor, and um, we, the best thing we want to do is just put it in a remission, and um, hopefully we could borrow a couple more years. Um, well, I, I mean, I'm year. sure I'm myself and everybody else listening. We're we're with you on that, man, because that that must be something that's that's tough to go through as a human being. But but I think you did the right thing for her at, at, to to stay home because I mean, the last thing she needs is to get sick on top of because because I know chemo it, it reduces your immune system uh, because my father went through it and and he had to stay away from like my kids when they were sick because he didn't want to get sick and we didn't want him to get sick. So I know exactly how, how that rolls like that. So you did the right thing by, by staying home. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I was, I was away for, I was at home for five weeks. I just recently went back to work. Okay. But I, I applied for, um, um, the family care act, uh, um, if I get that, I could, uh, I'll stay out more longer. The whole thing is, uh, you guys, uh, we have to, I have to work. I get my plant, my medical plan through the union and we have to work a hundred hours a month 
to obtain our medical. And right now we would just cut um, 30 hours. We are, we're down to 30 hours a week, um, which gives us a uh, hundred and I guess, what is it? 120 hours. Um, but I still have to, t I ran out, uh, right now I exhausted all my, uh, vacation days, all my sick days, any type of flirt, bloaters or personal days, right? So income I take off from now on, um, I, it's, unless I get the family care, right? Which, uh, I can't be denied my medical. Um, I, I'll be docked. I'll be docked to certain the pay and I would lose the hours. And my wife still has to go to see doctors. Mm -hmm. I had to take a half day today, which is now we're down to a six hour, six hour uh, day. I worked three hours, three hours in the morning, came home, took her to her doctor's appointment. And we have, uh, my wife had, along with the lung cancer, had um, uh, lesions in her brain. Um, usually with uh, lung cancer, right, it's not uncommon to get uh, tumors in, your, in the brain. My wife had to have uh, something called a cyber knife. Um, it's pinpoint radiation, right? Uh, uh, twice already. And my wife has a, has a uh, pacemaker and she's up and we just try, we called, um, sorry, I'm losing the track of thought. Um, she has to get an MRI. But the only thing is, right, when you get an MRI, they ha you have to have the, uh, who haven't made the pacemaker come in, shut it off, take the MRI, right, then come back in and start it up again. Right. We called up and tried to schedule an MRI, and they said, "Sorry, um, we're not taking any. Uh, we're not doing any MRIs with people who have pacemakers because the technicians don't want to come in because of the COVID." That's well, that crazy. sucks. Yeah, that that, that well, does suck. So what they're going to do is they're going to do a CAT scan with contrast. So, and we'll see if that picks up anything. It should, Mike. Uh, it's not going to be as detailed as an MRI, um, but given you know the current state of you know what healthcare practitioners are willing and not willing to do, I'm praying that that's going to be you know the most you know ideal imaging technique that'll give uh, some insight into like further insight into your wife's condition for you guys and then hopefully uh, derive a a good treatment uh, protocol that the doctors can implement with her as well on top of what they're already doing and uh well like what we were chatting about previously on social media um you know this side up here in canada and people that i know we're, we're sending our warm wishes and prayers for uh uh, remission for your wife and uh, also for uh, you know some stress relief on that front for you too mike thank you so much uh, uh we uh, me and my wife are uh, deeply appreciated uh for all the uh all the prayers out there um it's been a tough tough year for uh for me and my family um last year was probably the la worst year of my life along with my wife having cancer and battling chemo with chemotherapy um, my mother passed away, um, which came as a shock uh, because she was a pretty healthy person, even though she was in her 80s. Um, so last year overall was uh, it's no fun.
No, not at all. Um, also, sorry to hear about uh, you know, the loss of your mother, Mike. Uh, condolences to you. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, this uh, and this year hasn't been any any great either. Uh, we had I don't know about you guys. We had no winter at all. I mean, it was the most in the thirty years that I worked. It, this has to be the mild, the most mild winter ever, right? Um, I call it an extended uh, fall. So there was not much work going on other than uh, maintenances. Uh, we had day, we had days, uh, we had a whole month where it was. I don't think it reached the twenties. It snowed. I don't think it snowed at all in New York, in Long Island, or in the city. And uh, now to top that off with this, um, companies are getting uh, pretty beat up. Yeah, I I feel that because uh, we had a mild like Matt and I are up in the same area and we we had a mild winter here as well, uh, milder than than normal. I mean, I've I've been on the the roof days where it was like minus thirty with the wind chill. We're talking degrees Celsius, and and we didn't have anything close to that this this winter. Uh, we had some days where the the snow was a pain in the butt, but. The cold, it, it just wasn't we had there. A, a couple days where it was fairly cold, but you know, it's similar to the uh, the conditions you're saying you're going through down in in Manhattan area there, Mike. We were kind of similar. I don't know if we lost Gary there or not. We had thirties. We had we had thirties and we had thirties and forties. Uh, February uh, was very very mild. Yeah, February, and, uh, February February was mild. We you, you know we had some really cold snaps in November. I remember I'm like, yeah, um, maybe it's going to be a cold winter again, but I, I did hear that it was supposed to be a mild winter and I did hear it's supposed to be a very hot summer. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out, but you're right, Mike, with, with the winter being mild and then we kind of hit this slow shoulder season in kind of March, um, beginning April, like a, a lot of companies see that shoulder season where there's no cooling calls, there's no heating calls. And then COVID-19, slaps us in the face and then all these businesses shut down there's like a double whammy of the weather's mild and there's no there's half the companies that are supposed to be out running have shut down so it's just it's it's killed a lot of work for a lot of companies okay guys some announcements all right first first couple announcements revolve around true tech tools you guys know i got my code eight percent off with promo code know it all right now if you buy a a vacuum pump from navac one of their qualifying pumps after you buy it you go to their their site navac site and apply for the free tools you get two free tools out of your choice of three so half inch hose three eighths hose vacuum hoses by the way or core removal tool you pick two of three all right how TrueTech rolls into this is that if you buy it from TrueTech, you get four times the amount of TrueTech Tools points that you normally get uh, up until May 31st. The other cool thing going on at TrueTech, they've extended the 13% off Testo offer. So that was for the month of April, but it's now extended into May. So if you guys want some badass Testo stuff, you have to use a different code. It's Testo and TTT, all one word, 13% off Testo. Now, Danfoss has a whack of good, uh, let's say, webinars, right? Online free webinars. I'm trying to set myself up to do one on the 13th of May, which is at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
uh, on cold rooms. Now, I think it's a series. There's one coming up actually on Wednesday, the 6th. Uh, it's, it's a global webinar. So if you guys want to check that out and then sign up with me on the 13th, that would be super cool because I'm going to do it and I'm going to check it out and it's free education. I'll roll into work um, early, try to get a, a little bit of work done and then fly back into my truck and do the half an hour webinar. It's only half an hour, 30 minutes, right? So I will leave a link in the podcast notes where you can check those webinars out and I'll be hopping on one. If you guys want to hop on it with me and we can learn together, that would be very cool. A lot of people message me about vacuum gauges and what the best one is to buy or an inexpensive one that won't break the bank and stuff like that so there there is one that I will tell you about right now it's very compact it's got like a little 45 degree angle on the on the the fitting so it fits into tighter places like in resi you can fit it into a tighter place like on a condensing unit Um, it's the yellow jacket omni vacuum gauge it's got a a liquid paper display, right? Uh, You can set up your target, you can change the units, you can change the display from a white background to a black background. It's just a very, very simple micron gauge if you're looking to just check your micron levels while you're pulling a vacuum. So anyway, I just want to tell you about the YJ Omni. Uh, Refrigeration technologies, guys. Something that I don't talk about enough, which is a very cool product, is coil coating. Now, coil coating is meant to coat coils that could be in a corrosive environment. A lot of people on the coast use them because of the salt. But what a lot of people don't know is that you can use coil coating for anything that's metal to coat it, to prevent it from the elements from rusting out. Um, we've all seen like galvanized screws in units. We've, I've seen those rust out a million times. After you do a heat exchanger, um, you ever tried to pull out rusty screws from a, from a heat X? Well, if you use coil coating, the heads of the screws won't rust out that's the whole point of it so it's just another product from refrigeration technologies that you guys can check out one last thing company cam company cam is is an app you download the app you get your team on it once your team is on it you're taking pictures commenting on things and keeping track of jobs you keep track of jobs individually anybody can go into those jobs and see the the progress on them without bothering you without calling you, texting you, emailing you, and it prevents that. It organizes your, your jobs in one specific spot where you can go check them out. There is a, a 14-day free trial for you guys if you follow the link that I'll leave in the landing page, or sorry, if you follow the link to the landing page, I will leave in the podcast notes. It's called Company Cam, and they're growing quite fast because they have a pretty cool product to show you guys, so check that one out. Let's get back to Mike and Matt. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Harago, a trades-only platform helping you find the right job or the right candidate. Harago.com, best in trade. Who ever heard of uh, layoffs in the springtime? In the springtime. That's, that's when you usually hire, yeah. <laughs> Getting ready to ramp up for you know cooling season, you know, bringing everybody on board for big construction jobs and maintenances that are going to be coming up uh, that you got to keep you know, systems going throughout a hot spell. Uh, it's not looking like there's going to be too much of that within the near future, the way things are going. Well, but they're supposed to be opening up. Well, phase one is supposed to be May, I think May 14th or May 15th, 
We'll see. The people, uh, I mean, we've been in um, lockdown for six weeks, and I can't see you know New Yorkers taking it uh, much longer, taking it uh, much longer because uh, uh, you know to be a prisoner in your own house for this long. And to worry about where your next paycheck's going to be. Do you have a job? Um, we don't have, uh, especially for me, um, we don't have socialized. Uh, um, well, we do. I guess we do. Uh, we have me- we have something called Medicaid if the people are unemployed. But you know, we got pretty much get our medical through our employer. So, and, right. uh, so, so I right. think there's going to be. I think if it continues, there's going to be a rebellion. Just like they did in California, where it was 95 degrees on Sunday and 40,000 people showed up at the beach. I I was just about to say that, Mike. I was just about to say that I see if something doesn't change soon with um, the government allowing businesses to open, I see people revolting from that. Like like it's going to be a revolution. They're going to be like, you know what? We're opening, everybody else open, like, let's just do it. And, and I can see this being this, this crazy fight if, if it doesn't happen soon, if the government doesn't start phasing businesses back into the mix here. People are going to get angry, people are going to get mad, and they're going to start doing it on their own, and that's going to cause a ton of problems. So, Absolutely, Gary. Um, one thing I think down in the States that uh, we can keep an eye on is uh, if we look down in into like Texas, they're slated to start reopening this Friday, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So um, seeing you know, how things progress down there over the next couple of weeks and, you know, see, you know, how John and his boys down at Top Gun make out um, during things ramping back up with openings, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be very interesting to see, actually. It's funny how different different places around the world are handling this like is um sweden if i'm not mistaken have gone the opposite way and they've, they've gone to this herd immune have you guys heard of this herd immunization yes yeah where they want everybody just to continue on their 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 daily lives the, the way it is normally pretty much and then they want pretty much pretty much their herd immune is it immunization i have a hard time spitting that out is for everybody to to kind of get it build up the antibodies so next year when it comes around everybody's kind of immune it, it, that's the theory behind it almost right it's kind of like um and pox parties uh like chicken pox parties that people would do with their kids um they'd still get their children uh a chicken pox vaccination possibly but if uh, uh i don't know if you went through this with uh, your kids, Gary, but I know with my daughter, um, there were children around her age that were coming down with chicken pox and there was discussion of, you know, hey, do, do people ha- want to have a pox party where you, know, you can try to basically share chicken pox and then the children will develop their immunity that way through getting it from somebody else. Uh, it's you know, a kind of a a mixed bag on whether people like the idea versus people that are vehemently opposed to it. And I think we're seeing the same thing here with our COVID situation. Um, here's the thing about New York city, right? We, uh, 
we're we're just basically a group of islands, right? We have Long Island, we have Staten Island, we have Manhattan Island, right? We have uh, uh, you have the Bronx, which is part of uh, Bronx and Westchester. We all take, well, everybody takes the subway in or the Long Island Railroad or the PATH train to, from Jersey. That's how we travel. If we if we open up too early, and we still have one or two cases still out there, right? And you and you pack five hundred people into a car. That's 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 going to be disastrous. We'll be right back where we started. Absolutely, uh, it's Plus, one thing can, we were talking about, Mike, a uh, little bit. Uh, was you know I was telling you kind of the deficit that the Toronto transit system uh, was projected in lost revenues due to COVID. I can only imagine the scale that uh, it's hit the New York transit system in terms of ridership and uh, lost revenue given what's going on there. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um... The, the the subways are basically run by the state. It's not run by the city. Okay. It's uh, it's enforced by the by the police officers. But right now, with the with the lockdown, nobody's working. There's no, there's, they're not collecting taxes. Yeah, uh, well, they're gonna get it one way or another from some source once things start coming back to some semblance of normality. Whether you're gonna see that on. You know, income taxes, property taxes, somehow the, the money lost during this time will have to be regenerated in some there's shape, a, form, or another. There's a, there's a lot of people that, that that are, when you say, hey, where does the government get all this money to kind of, to inject into the, inject into the, into society? And people are like, well, they're printing it. They're, they're just, they're just making, they're just, <laughs> they're printing the money and they're handing it off, right? that uh, some people actually believe that I don't, I don't know enough about politics and governments and all that to even get into a, a discussion like that. But there are people when you talk to them about this, Hey, where's the government getting all of this money? And, and I know Mike, the C like, do you know what the CFL is, Mike? It's, it's kind of the Canadian version of the NFL, but it's nowhere near the league that the NFL is. But I see. You know, yeah, you, I know what it is. Uh, Doug Flutie uh, used to play there. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's right. He played for a bunch of teams here, um, but they're asking the government for 150 million dollars. Like, I, you know what I mean? Where is the government getting 150 million dollars to give to a football league to help them survive through this? They're Bitcoin mining. That's where they're getting it from. <laughs> yeah. Either they're going to borrow it from. They're going to borrow it, or they're going to. Are they going to print it? Yeah, exactly. and then you're gonna have inflation. Yeah, that's 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 the sad part. One question I got for you, Mike, um, is seeing that the past couple of days you've gone back to work, um, and you had been previously quarantined uh, given your home and home situation. Um, I know from listening to your previous podcast about you know traveling roughly it was twenty or twenty two miles from your house to get into like Manhattan to, to work HVAC would take you roughly two to three hours to make that trip. Um, how is the trip now that the city's pretty much locked down? It, um, I, I did it yesterday. I, um, yesterday took, uh, I was on the West side. Uh, it took 45 minutes. Wow. 
45 minutes. And usually when you're on the west side, right, it takes you 45 minutes just to go from the west side to the east side uh, to, to the Midtown Tunnel. And then you got another hour and 45 minutes to uh, travel time. Jeez. Uh, yeah, there was no one on the road. It, it's a ghost town. I, that's, that's, that's one of the aspects I, I'm really digging about this. It's the traffic. Uh, to, to sort of a smaller scale. Um, so I was working a job. Gary can relate to this. I was working a job in the distillery district of Toronto about two, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, and I needed to go to pick up some supplies from a United Refrigeration. Well, the closest one was around uh, 427 and the uh, Gardner on, uh, on Horner. So usually that drive would take an hour and a half around like nine in the morning to go one way, given traffic in Toronto. We did that in 13 minutes. Wow. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been awesome. I mean, the, the, so the, the, the main corridor coming from the west side of the city, Mike, um, into Toronto is called the Gardner Expressway. And, and it's, okay. not that, it's not that long of a stretch of road. It's probably 10 to 15 kilometers. So I don't know what, I don't know, eight, eight miles or nine miles or something like that. Um, it's not that long. But you get on that stretch of road in the morning at, to get to the downtown core. It's, a, it's easily 40, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, in, in, in that, and in, in that length of road, you know what I mean? It's, it's nuts. So now you can easily do a hundred, 110, 115 kilometers an hour. And, and, and I know this, we're, we're going back and forth between the metric system and, and what you guys use, but I mean, that's, that, that's just the way it is. We're, we're just haul, we're just hauling ass down the highway and we're usually stuck in traffic. And I find when I get home, I'm lighter on my feet. I'm less stressed. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, I'm less stressed about waking up and going to work because now I don't have to sit in that traffic. I grab a coffee and throw on whatever. Um, sometimes I put on a podcast or music and I just cruise and, and it's the drive is awesome. Absolutely. That's the one good thing. Sorry, just phone notifications meant to silence that. <laughs> Any, anyway, I, uh, we don't need to drag drag out the, the podcast talking about you, COVID-19 and stuff, but Mike, go, go on, guys, finish, finish your thought, and, and I'm going to get to something else. No, I, do you guys work, I wonder, how, do you guys work a 40, do you guys work a 40-hour week? I wonder what the difference is between the U.S. and Canada when it comes to hours, do you work... 40, 35? I usually work around my, our, our days at work are eight and a half hours um, a day. So that's, that's basically 7.30 to 4.30 with a half an hour lunch. That is in theory how it's supposed to work, right? But so basically at the end of the week, it's a 42 and a half hour week. So I'm usually in the 42 to 43 hour range every week, unless, unless I work overtime, which is very rare in our company to have any type of real overtime because we're not residential we're commercial i mean people go home at the end of the day they don't hang around most of them till eight nine o'clock but in residential you see all these after hours calls because people get home from work at five six and the ac's not on or the heat's not on they start calling companies so all these companies residential are responding after hours and that's why these guys are working later than than what a commercial tech would work in in my my opinion anyway 
Um, I'm similar in terms of the hours. Um, like right now, I'm hovering due to our current world situation due to the COVID stuff. I'm hovering around anywhere from 30 to 40, 43 hours a week. But before all this was going on, um, it wouldn't be uncommon to hit close to 50 hours um, doing commissioning and startups and service calls. And to Gary's point on you know, commercial technicians, it, I think it depends on what domain of commercial HVAC you work in and whether you're also doing refrigeration work within that realm. Because you That's can have true. like um, a pharmaceutical company uh, similar to maybe the one that you know you look after, Gary, where they need to maintain certain box temperatures 24-7. And it doesn't matter what time of day it is. If something goes wrong with a system, then it's all hands on deck. Everybody's got to get there or somebody's got to get there to remedy the issue at hand. Yeah, we no, were, that's, that's very true. We work 8 to 4.30. Well, we, well look, look at 638 guys uh, work 8 to 4.30. Um, half hour, half hour for lunch. Um, so anything after four thirty is uh time and a half. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the way it works for us too. That's 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 the way we bill it. But I think I think the law in Ontario here is that you need to work forty four hours before you can charge time and a half. I th- yeah. I think I, I think that's the way it is. But that's I think that- one aspect of our labor law. Um. Then there's, you know, what happens if you work, say, I don't know, 16 hours in one day, you know, are you going to get paid? Do you have to work those 16 hours at straight time or do you get paid overtime after a certain cutoff point during the day? Most companies that I've been with say, you know, after a certain, you know, time during the day, say after 4.30 or after five o'clock, it's going to be overtime. Or, you know, you have to stop the call and get approval to continue work under overtime. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, we do the same thing. After after a certain time, we just charge overtime regardless um, before we hit the 44 because, yeah, that, that could be a pain in the ass. But I've had the uh, the, the accountant in the office <laughs> get not angry at me, but sometimes, like, I'll have a week where I have, like, five nine-hour days, right? And I just build, build them at straight time, nine-hour days. And then at the end of the week, it's 45 hours. So she's got to calculate that last hour at overtime. <laughs> so she has to do that process on her end, right? So whatever. I, I get the extra half hour for it, so I don't care. <laughs> and how do you guys do emergency service or on-call or what we call standby? Um, with us, we have uh, one guy each week. Uh, and then we, re- we rotate uh that will take uh, any calls on the weekend and any calls after hours. Um, Sorry, get, I just had to crack that beer in the microphone just so everybody knew. We get, we get $150 uh, cash for taking the week if we don't get any calls. Um, each call is a four-hour minimum regardless, and it's uh, from the time we leave our house to the time we get back to our house. Um, Saturday's time and a half. Sunday's double time. On a holiday, it's uh, it's double time. It used to be double time and a half, but we had to give we we had to give something back in a, a couple of contracts ago. Well, before I answer how it works for what I've gone through, I I have a sound to contribute. 
<laughs> I, I got to go for my uh, second round here of uh, an absolutely amazing beer from Beyond the Pale Brewery in Ottawa, appropriately named Aromatherapy. And I think we can use some a little aromatherapy at the end of long days that we go through. Uh, shameless plug for that brewery, by the way. A non-paid endorsement, by the way. Um, okay. Going back to your question about uh, like how we structure on-call, um, it's going to work differently from company to company uh, and depends on the size of the company as well. So the first company I worked for, Mike, um, we were paid travel door-to-door um, regardless of if we were on call or not. We were given four hours uh, for being on call. You were on call for an entire week, Wednesday to Wednesday. And your service territory was pretty much all of Ontario, Canada. Uh, Windsor, Ontario to Ottawa, Niagara Falls to Sudbury. It was wow. quite the big distance. So if you got a, a call out in Ottawa, that's a, from where I'm living, that's a five-hour, four-and-a-half, five-hour drive. And it wouldn't be uncommon during winter times to get a lot of uh, boiler calls. Uh, so you get a call out to Ottawa and then next thing you know, you're on your way out there and you could get a call out in Windsor. So then you're reaching out to the other guys in the field to say, Hey, who can help me out? Uh, sometimes they did. Sometimes they didn't. Uh, the company I'm at right now, we don't have a formal on call. Uh, we don't get that many after hour calls. So what happens is, um, all after hour calls go to my supervisor and he reaches out to the techs uh, saying, you know, hey, I've got this call. Who can go hit it? Uh, if no one responds back, uh, which most people you know, will get back to him uh, with a yay or nay. Uh, if no one can go, then he goes and hits it because he's still a technician. That's, that's interesting, Matt. Um, interesting because... I can see that being a very frustrating position for your for your uh, manager to be in, because nobody wants to go on a call after hours. Well, there's some people that actually do want to go on calls after hours if they're younger and they're ambitious, they want to make money. But anybody with a family, I'll tell you how my family rolls. My wife has a calendar and she writes everything on it. And that calendar has things written on it for June already, um, July already. So my life is booked, right? Because we have a lot of, um, we, we have siblings, we, our kids have cousins. We go to our trailer for events and stuff um, in the summer quite a lot. So if I don't know when I'm on call, um, I can't say yes. Uh, so I'd be saying no a lot and I'd be like, I th- I'd feel like I wasn't being a part of the team, a team member. So for, for me personally, I mean, you guys do it that way. I would prefer to be scheduled and know when I was going to be on call each and every time I was on call. That's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, it's definitely, uh, if you have the clientele base that, uh, demands that, you know, and actually has the volume of calls coming in after hours to, you know, designate an, an on-call rotation, then absolutely. Um, the company that I'm at right now, I can count on one, maybe going on to the second hand, 
the number of times I've had to go out on a you know after hours emergency service call, and I'm treated very well where I'm at the company I'm at right now. So, you know, whenever an after hour call comes in, when more times than not, I'm more inclined to say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll go take care of the call." And you're also supported as well in terms of you know, if you say go out to this call and um, you know, you're a little lost on what you're diving into, then our service manager, he's right there on the horn with you, right on the phone, you know, helping you step through it just to have that second, you know, mind thinking about the tasks that you're trying to tackle to fix a, a call. And if it gets to the point where, you know, you just can't figure it out for whatever reason, he'll be the first to drive out and uh, work through the call with you as well that's that's, that, 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 that's, that's great that's a great quality that you don't see in uh service managers out there that's one of the you know huge main uh reasons and factors that you know keeps me you know at where i am among a few other things that uh are qualities that my service manager brings to the plate so if I- listen <laughs> go on nobody Nobody who has a family or who's in their 40s and their 50s wants to be on standby. Unfortunately, it's the nature of the beast. You have to do it. And um, if I could get uh, at one point, uh, there was a couple of younger guys that were pretty hungry, and and with uh, I would give it to them. And but my boss put a kibosh on that because everybody was trying to give it away. So now, if you're on the list and your name comes up, you have to take it. Um, what sucks is the holidays. You don't want to get caught, uh, on Christmas being on standby. Usually that goes to the younger guys. Um, the worst, probably the worst time to take it is, uh, our Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving is, I've never gotten, I've gotten one call, um, on Thanksgiving. And that was maybe 10, 15 years ago. But the day, we have the day after Thanksgiving off, right? Which is Black Friday and everything's open. And that's the worst day because everybody just after th- after Thanksgiving, right? They were drunk, they're hungover, they just don't want they're, they're full. And the person you get, there's always calls and there's multiple calls, and you get three or four different calls, and you could be out all day and nobody wants to help you. Yeah, that's 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 a big holiday for you guys. Um, and, and I can see how the day after Black Friday, how everybody's in the stores. If the AC is not working, the store manager is going to call and say, Hey, my AC is not working. I got like the stores jam packed full of people. It's, it's hot as F in here. I need somebody out here to, 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 to cool this place down. Right. Even though it's, it's in the fall and it, the, the temperatures are cooler. You have a lot of people in a space. You, you need to provide cooling for that space. Um, right. I'll tell you the way we do it. And, and I love the way we do on call because you barely notice it's, it's even there. So we have a, a rotation. We have a week rotation and a weekend rotation. So with the amount of guys, it's, it's, it's kind of reduced now because we've had a, we have some helpers and stuff that are laid off right now. And a couple other guys that are laid off that were on the, on the schedule. But if the schedule is normal, like everything's fine, we've got about 12 guys on that schedule. So you'll see one weeknight about every two and a half weeks. Okay. Because of that same amount of guys, you'll see one weekend about every two and a half months. So really, 
it passes by that the, that one weekend you're on call every two and a half months if it lands on uh, on a crappy weekend like a long weekend or a holiday or something like that it sucks but most of the time you don't even notice it like the weeknights the weeknights go by you don't even notice it's there because we don't get many calls like matt we don't get many calls at, at all um we don't have a lot of customers that have stuff that needs to be running constantly 24 7 we have a handful but not a ton of them right um and that handful once in a while will call us so that's that's the way we do it and it's barely noticeable to be honest with you we used to take care of a couple of bars in uh in manhattan uh on, on the on the west side and um you were guaranteed to get called at 12 o'clock at night and you have to head into the city uh Usually, uh, it'd be something simple and after, and you just want to get the hell out of there. And, you know, the manager would say, Oh, do you want a drink? Why don't you hang out? And I says, I gotta go to work to the next day. I, I want to head home, get a two hours sleep and then head back into the city. <laughs> oh, that's when you um, say, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have one, uh, but do you have a Folger, empty Folgers, uh, coffee can <laughs> that I can put in my truck? <laughs> and some stabilizer wings for it so it doesn't tip over on any bumps the, the worst call the, the worst standby call the worst standby call is you just worked overtime you're heading home you just get to your door right dinner's on the table right and it, you get the call to go head back into the city for something like a water leak yep i've had i've had days I like like, oh, i tired they don't want to go had days like that um matt you know what mike matt has promised to do a little bit of a, a chat on aeon are you do you do any work on aeon equipment mike we have I, yeah i was actually uh, matt helped me out on uh on one was, uh, yeah we have a couple of them that was right? my uh, little message to you gary that uh i do have a story that ties in but you know mike beat me to the punch on this one for, all right so uh, you you, you guys work. you guys you guys collaborate and, and tell the story on the Seon. Who wants to set it up? I'll let uh, Mike take the lead on this one. Um, I I was I came back. Uh, it was actually uh, one of uh, one of our help. One of our apprentices uh, was on a uh, on the call, and uh, he was getting a uh, rollout condition. Uh, um, so I went over there, and I never checked the heat exchanger on the Aon. I didn't even know how to get it out, so I wasn't really sure whether. It was like a Linux unit. We have to take the whole lower section out, right, and then and then look and then and then look in. I, I've never I never did one before, right? We only I we I think we have one or two, right? And uh, so I reached out to a couple guys on uh, on Instagram, and they got back to me. Matt was one of them, right? Looked out, and so I dived in. I couldn't find the I couldn't find it anywhere, anywhere, and. Uh, so I said, oh, let me t- let me try Matt, and, and and I ran a couple things uh, his way, and uh, and and he helped me out. What I remember on on the uh, this Aon unit, Mike, is I appreciate you saying me uh, that I helped you out with it. Um, it's uh, when you first showed me the video of the flame profile on the burner, that uh, it looked like you know, it was burning rich, and that there was a hole somewhere in the heat exchanger. So I think that was my, one of my first questions to you, to which we talked about how to access the heat exchanger. And uh, I believe you had said that um, 
didn't appear to have a crack in the heat exchanger. But I saw we, nothing. We needed I, to look further into it. Uh, and I think the looking further into it uh, continued with you asking me, is there a way to uh, trick the Aeon unit to fire the heating section, right. but leave the, like the uh, blower off? Uh, so I think I gave you the, the tip of, you know, disconnect the power going to the blower motor, but jump out the air proving switch for the, right, right, right. For the blower. And that should have brought on your heating section, which possibly depending on like the size of the crack in the heat exchanger, uh, sometimes it takes heat for it to actually expand open to notice where the, the crack is. I think that may have been the situation that you were in. You're you'd found it on the very bottom of the the heat exchanger, yeah. right? Yes, yes, yes. It was way it was way in the bottom. You just couldn't see it from the top. Mm-hmm. Did it take heating up the heat exchanger to find the crack, or it was noticeable once you kind of put an inspection mirror down there? Once I once I I got myself in there and I really reached that and I felt. I actually felt it, and then I went down with an inspection mirror and a flashlight, and 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 I and I saw it, but you couldn't see it from the top because there was there was no signs of any any cracks or anywhere. Right. So it was a Instagram DMing back and forth success on an Aon troubleshooting, which uh, you didn't get. Uh, I, I should have put in the Aon. Uh, you know, when you call them for tech support, they're on hold music. Should have taken a recording of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll play that to you. Just some like light elevator music type stuff. Uh, they got some pretty sweet elevator music over there at Aon. Oh, nice, nice. That's, what it uh, was, it was almost like danceable. Tupac and Biggie. <laughs> Not quite <laughs> that good, but uh, I, I would. Uh, I'd love to see uh, Chris Ketty. You know, start breakdancing on top of an Aeon unit, listening to uh, that uh, elevator music. That'd be a, a sight to see on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would. So, I mean, I mean, the Aeon stuff. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen an, one Aeon, w- one single Aeon unit in my entire career. Mike's seen a couple. So, how did you end up working on so many Aeon units, Matt? Like, where where'd they all come from? Um. The- they're kind of a, Aeons are a bit of a, I don't want to say a beast in and of themselves. They're a little bit of a different breed of rooftop, but ultimately, and to, to steal Rocky's line, it, these things, are it's just wind and water. Uh, they just do it in slightly fancier ways and say like a, a five ton Lennox or carrier rooftop. There's a few extra controls and you know, fancy little gadgets in an Aeon compared to some of these other rooftops. Where they came from? Well, that that's a pretty easy question to answer. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> um, they no, no, like I, I mean, like what, they are, like where they're a pricier how, rooftop. How, how did how did how did you yourself come to service so many? Do, are you guys like a, a an authorized uh, rep for the for Aeon or something like that that you service so many? Or? <laughs> um. Not really. Uh, so the, the story goes, uh, so there's a, a company in our neck of the woods called HTS. Yep. And HTS used to rep Aon. 
and they also rep Daikin. Um, certain things went on at HTS where they decided to continue to rep Daikin uh, and not rep Aeon. Uh, so Aeon's now gone back to a uh, uh, being represented by another company in our area, uh, Kilmer Environmental. Uh, Kilmer doesn't, well, they didn't have an in-house technician. So what they did was they reached out to companies that have technicians that A, had experience uh, working on the Aon line of products because of their connection or having previously worked at HTS, uh, like my supervisor uh, and the supervisor I had before the current one I had at a different company, both came from HTS and both were familiar with the Aon line. So I got introduced to Aon um, and the company before the one I'm at right now And the one I'm at right now is really where I've been immersed into working on that line of product for commissioning and also for just service work as well. And I wouldn't be, you know, where I am, I've been in terms of my, you know, scant knowledge on the Aon line of products uh, without the, the support and tutelage and training from my supervisor, Darren. The guy's a, a wizard on these things. If, if he hasn't seen it on Aon, he's the first to say, well, this is something really odd and bizarre. Let's give Aon a, a call and see if they even have experienced this issue. But most no, 99% of my you know, questions about Aon, if I run into a brick wall on them, is I'm calling my supervisor because of his knowledge, wealth of knowledge on that product line. If... I was going to ask if um, if he's not able to to get through it and he has to call Aon, like you were saying, is their tech support like a good tech support line? Like, is there is there long wait times, short wait times? Do the people on the other end of the phone, are they knowledgeable? Or are they like, is it like a tiered system like some of these companies do? Like you hit some guy that reads out of the manual and he's, if he can't help you, you, you go to the second, the second tier. Like, have you guys ever seen that meme? Depends like on <laughs> what level of Aon you're dealing with. Sorry, I'm, I'll okay. let you complete that meme idea, Gary. I, I was going to say, if you've if you, if you ever seen that meme where it's like when you get to the final tech support boss and he's all blinged out, like a, like a, <laughs> yep. like a, like, like the, like a, you know, like when you used to play video games and the final like boss. Like Shogun Pagoda God. I believe yeah, you had you, a, a meme like that up on your page a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically a video game reference where, like when you get to the last boss in like a Nintendo, like a first eight bit Nintendo game, like the final boss is he's all decked out, right? So, that's the way. That's the way this guy was in the meme. Yeah. Uh, so with the Aeon line of product, um, a little bit has changed in terms of where you're reaching out for technical support. So um, there was at a time three different. Uh, companies that you would have to call depending on what was going on with the Aon rooftop or the Aon product and depending on what's in it as well. So if you had an Aon product that has Wattmaster controls and also Yazkawa VFDs in it, uh, if you're having an issue with the VFD while you're calling Yazkawa, uh, and Yazkawa Drives has absolutely phenomenal tech support and minimal uh, wait time whatsoever. Within a minute of ringing Yaskawa, someone's picking up 
And also they're saying, you know, hey, is this Matt? And they're seeing numbers. They've got your numbers stored. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it is. Oh, how's it going, Matt? What are you working on today? Um, Aeon, in terms of like the mechanical uh, components within their rooftop, it's um, hit and miss. So you can be, depending on call volumes, you could be waiting as little as, say, five minutes, or you could be waiting couple hours you have the option of you know holding your place in the call line and have them call you back which technically speaking i'm still on hold for a startup i did back in november october of 2019 i think they might have given up on that one yeah uh, and then the control side Wattmaster controls used to be separate from aon but aon recently purchased them uh, wait times for Wattmaster can be similar to Aeon. Uh, sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow. But you will get a hold of someone, unlike other product lines where they would say you call in to a central con- call-in center and uh, an operator takes your information, make model serial the unit you're working on. Then they give you a case number and then have a technician call you at their technician's earliest convenience which could be five minutes from now or two weeks from now. Um, so wait times, they're not great, but they're, they're not bad as well compared to certain other product lines that are out there. Okay, gotcha. <clears throat> so you like, you, like, you like the Aeon equipment then? Um, there's pros and cons with any product line. Uh, there's a lot of pros with the way that Aon does their stuff in terms of the product itself. Um, uh, a lot of cons as well with the product. Uh, there's no perfect HVAC unit out there. Uh, if we could take, you know, parts of different, uh, there, there's, just there's, rooftops. There's, there's, there's take, manufacturers banging the fist on the table going, how dare you say that? Of course. I, if we could take, you know, aspects of certain, you know, brands of rooftops, and we all have our favorite aspects of different rooftops. So, you know, let's say like a carrier heat exchanger is really, really easy to change versus say... A York. A York, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where you got to have your two foot, um, you know, nut runner extension to get to those, uh, those self-tappers in the back bottom of the heat exchanger. Yeah, isn't there one behind? Isn't there one? I think there's one behind, like a, yeah, a, a big ass transformer in, in in the fan section or something. And you gotta, yep, you gotta take out either take the transformer out or get like a really really small, um, like open ended wrench in there to 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 get it out. And that one's not going back in, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know things like oh. Newer Linuxes, the heat exchangers are on par with, say, carriers in terms of ease of changing out versus, like we said, Yorks um, or you know, JCIs, um, basically the same rooftop. Um, then, you know, blower motor changeouts are easier on certain rooftops than others. Um, even just within the Aon product line, it's easier on certain Aon rooftops versus others. Uh, so it's 
the one example that comes to mind is uh, an Aon RQ rooftop unit. Um, the supply fan blower is a reverse incline turbine fan. Um, and the electrical into the blower motor is right up next to the, uh, the blower turbine. Uh, if that motor goes, getting into test the electrical is very challenging. Uh, you end up having to remove the entire section, uh, and then you want to take the turbine off, but the turbine is bigger than a hub puller, uh, and you can't get a bearing puller on it. So there's two uh, like grommets that you would tighten down to hold that turbine onto the, the motor shaft. You can kind of get a like a three-blade uh, bearing puller on that while you're trying to push down on the other side, trying to tighten your you know, bearing puller while pounding the other side with a hammer or pump pliers. And it's not fun to get off. Sometimes they come off easy. Sometimes they don't. Um, every unit has its, you know, little quirks that uh, things are great and easy to work on and certain things are not. And that's across every single rooftop that I've ever come across so far in my, you know, short little HVAC career. <clears throat> Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And I can hear, I can tell that Mike's got a thought on on what's going on here. Mike, I can hear you. You tried to chime in a couple. Well, times. I work on, well, in especially in Manhattan, right, where most of the, a lot of the units are in the ceiling, and you have to get on the eight foot ladder. Sometimes you have to go, you know, you have to get a, a little giant to get to it. Um, the most popular unit is a United Cool Air, and it's just junk. Yep, but giant right? piece of jank. I was going to ask if if you guys uh, had them up near you. Never heard but of it. The thing is, they can they can make them so they can whatever you want. They can, they can make it for you. If you have, a, they can make a two ton unit. They can make they can make anything. But it's just it's just junk. That's one thing that uh, going back to the Aon line uh, that I, I will give them is that they do make very good products. You just got to massage it into doing what you need it to do. Uh, one thing that I would love to see from them, I, I don't know if it's a, a function of uh, trying to deliver products under tighter deadlines, but uh, one thing you need to do when commissioning a unit, regardless of what make it is, is go through electrical prelims for tightness on all electrical uh, screws. and hands down i find that the aeons are the every you know contactor screw relay uh screw um terminal strip screw they're loose uh sometimes you can lightly tug on the wire and it just pops right out or it has popped out in transit and i don't know if it's a function of what's going on at their warehouse or if it's something that happens while the units are in transit to canada uh, but it, it's one thing that you need to put into your you know, service repertoire if you're commissioning units like Aon and, well, any rooftop unit whatsoever. You go through an electrical prelim check for you know, tightness and also wiring correctness, going through their wiring diagrams. That's one thing I will get. I, lo I love their wiring diagrams. That's it's color-coded. You took the words right out of my mouth. Right? <laughs> Hands down, their wiring diagram, the 
best I have ever come across in a rooftop unit. Well, what do you, what do you mean by color coded? How's the how is it color coded? Different inks, reds, blues, greens. So, like, what are what are they're they representing? Color coded, like, they're color coded to the actual color of the wire in the unit. Oh, ah, okay, yeah, because most are just all black, and then if if the color of the wire is red, there'll be like a little, there'll be the wire number and the like R or whatever. But the fact that the actual color is printed for that color of wire that that's awesome, man. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I'll ship you over a few of their uh, wiring uh, diagrams I'd, later, Gary. I'd love to see them. Are they drawn out? Because are they drawn out well? I know that in the past, like I don't work on a lot of trains either. I don't see a lot of trains, but I've seen a lot of really well done train wiring diagrams that I just love. They were very easy to follow. I just loved them. Are they like, are they sort of like a well out? like a ladder diagram where it's very easy to see order of operations and all that kind of stuff. Um, not really a ladder diagram, like what you'd see more in like a, a daikin, uh, like line by line ladder diagram. It, it's more of a pictorial. Okay. Um, it doesn't necessarily really give you, you know, sequence of operation, like you'd plot out on a ladder diagram, but it gives you a really good indication of what goes where and based off of just experience working on the product line and working on other rooftop units, you kind of know, okay, if there's a call for heat, what component is going to start first? Well, more often than not, my inducer motor is going to start. And then after that, it's got to make my air proving switch. After that, well, I'll, I'll go for a trial for ignition, uh, then open up the gas valve, so on and so forth. It, most are, you know, pretty common across that way in terms Good of point. their op- sequence of operation. I, I love ladder diagrams. Ladder diagrams are like, it's like code, basically. Like, if you can understand it, you can actually write out the order of operations in your mind as you're reading the diagram. Almost like, you know, like the, the movie Matrix when they're looking at the screen and it's just like numbers floating across, but they can see people and movements and stuff. In the, in the screen and all they see is number yeah it, it's like that when you read a wiring diagram you can i can literally see the order of operations written out in words as i'm as i'm reading across as long as I you love, got the I, rosetta stone for the lennox interpretation yeah <laughs> well i yeah yeah those are those are kind of a hybrid there's some of them that are hybrid where they have the ladder and pictorial kind of mixed in with each other Mike, what do you think? Uh, no, I was I was going to ask you what you work on. What's the popular unit uh, Me? in your building? Me, um, Yorks. Y- yeah, I, I, it, it's funny because all the buildings that are brand new that I see that are going up, they're all they're all getting Yorks landed on them, and and I got a bunch of uh, buildings that are within the same kind of area of of uh, of one neighborhood. And they're newer, like newer. They're like anywhere between two to kind of eight years old, and it's all York rooftops. And if I can ask you something about, yeah, go on. I'm sorry to cut you off. I was, I was just gonna um, say, I was just gonna say, like, I was gonna mention something. I mentioned something. You did a uh, podcast with uh, Mike Mayberry a while back. Yeah, that and you, was, talk, you, that you, was. And him, you and him, you and him were talking about right the units getting super smart, where actually they they 
you don't even have to diagnose. And with the new on the York Predators, they have a little screen right on their board. And you can go up to that board and it'll tell you what, what it went off on. Now, you and Mike were discussing why they're getting smart. Did they lose confidence in the in the technician? Or was it because too many parts were being condemned that weren't bad? This this is a good, either guys a good conversation. Were, <laughs> either guys were um as I say, uh, they um, um, jump to judgment, right? Misdiagnose, right? They return a part and, and, and <clears throat> warranty and find out there's nothing wrong with the part. Yeah, I'm going to give you my opinion on that. Um, and I just thank you for bringing that up because now I remember that. Conversation. I was thinking rush to judgment. And, and, That's what I meant. And it's funny, too. I'm, I'm surprised you were able to hear that audio because that was back in the day when I had a terrible mic. And I called Mike on the phone and he was driving, I think, with his window down. So it was really hard to to pay attention to that or, or hear what was going on. But yeah, we had that discussion. And I think I just have this gut feeling that manufacturers have over time gotten so frustrated with giving out warranty parts over and over and over again to contractors. And they're like, you know what? I don't know if I trust these contractors anymore. I, I have a feeling that they might not come out and say that, but I think inside who, whoever's heading up this um, type of change to the industry, I, I have a feeling they think this way because now they're going to design a unit that kind of tells you what's wrong. So you don't screw up when you go to fix the unit and it makes the unit look better. It makes the technician look better. Um, you know what I mean? And and the industry is moving in that direction. I just did a podcast last week with um, Brian Feeney from Emerson and, and Jim Bergman from MeasureQuick talking about Sensi Predict and, the, uh, and how that is going to basically predict things um, to break down before they do. Like it's, it, it, it's so in depth that Jim Bergman was saying that a capacitor failing, right? The power factor, you're going to see that power factor kind of veering away from from one on that motor and you'll be able to see that through the sensi predict um through the contractor portal or however you access it to go there and say hey listen your capacitor is failing i'm going to change it and we're gonna get this motor power factor back to one like that's the way the industry is going like hands down i think you know this was a topic that um i came up during the the discussion that we had with ken uh, and it, yes, it was really right. good to to hear that come up on the the podcast that you recently did about the the Sensi product with Jim and uh, uh, shoot the other guy's name is drawing a blank right now. Right, Brian, 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 Brian Feeney. Uh, like we were also talking about the Sensi uh, system with um, with Ken as well, uh, that he was you know doing beta testing on it, and we were also discussing you know predictive maintenance with Armstrong pumps. And I, I think Mike brings up a you know great point of you know rooftops becoming, or you know HVAC equipment becoming smarter and smarter in terms of you know telling you what's wrong with you know what well what the rooftop thinks is wrong or what the HVAC product thinks is wrong with the system, um, and does it make the technician look better? Possibly. Does it make the rooftop look better? Maybe. Um, the thing is. You know, the components that are monitoring all these, you have to put faith that they are monitoring the appropriate parameters properly. Uh, and also, 
if they are, I think a bit of a double-edged sword is what I'm seeing in our, our industry is components are being made cheaper and cheaper. So you might have higher quality sensing um, components for you know performance on a, a product on a on a unit, um, and it might give you you know some predictive maintenance reports of you know hey like you know your capacitor is going to fail. You might want to get in there and change it sooner than later, but the capacitors that you're picking up these days are built in you know less well. They're built to a poorer standard than they were 10, 15 years ago. Um, bad example, really, using capacitors, but let's say like just motors. Um, they're built you know, not as well as they were you know, 10, 15 years ago. Or even electronics are being built cheaper and cheaper. Uh, so you're going to see kind of a balancing between... Um, you know, say manufacturers not trusting the tech in terms of their diagnosis and relying on, you know, tech on uh, the, the unit to actually, you know, give an indication of what's wrong with it. But is the new component built well enough to, you know, carry on operating for a long time? That, that's something that I have a lot of questions and hesitations about. What do you think, Mike? You think the technology is going to help? You think what um, Matt's saying has some truth it's, to it? It's where... not go- well, it's not going away. It's just going to get more intense. It's just going to get the units are going to get smarter and smarter. It's already it's 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 already here. Is, does it replace the, the technician? Technician, obviously not. It just just goes to show the manufacturer does not trust um, that does not trust the education of the of the technician. And not to, to make the right diagnosis. And not just trusting but, the and, technician. And it's, obviously, it's, it's all economics. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess my question, Mike, would be, um, you know, say they don't trust the technician and in combination of the technician diagnosing what the issue is and also the, the unit diagnosing what the issue is. Let's say you have a bad, you know, blower motor on a, on a say, you know, York rooftop, York Predator. And uh, the control board is flagged that, you know, your your blower motor's shot. Not that you know, would directly say that, but let's say it's saying that. You go in, you confirm that it's bad. You go and source out a new motor. Well, the the quality build on that motor isn't quite like what it used to be. So you, you slap in this new motor because it hasn't been built to, you know, that great a standard, um, it fails a little bit down the road. Is that cutting down on the number of, you know, warranty calls on products that the manufacturer is going to have to handle? Or is it kind of remaining at the same level as previous? Well, they're not worried about that. They're just worrying about that it will outlast the warranty. Exactly. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's, but it, it's here to stay. You're seeing it on on, on the carriers. You see, you see, you're seeing it on uh, obviously New York's right um, trains. Uh, a little, yes, the trains definitely. Maybe not as much as uh, as as York's doing. So, Mike, let me ask you this then: Do you? There, there's people that think that 
a lot of dumbing down is happening within the industry. There's a lot of people that think that that a lot of different um, tools that are out there, a lot of different methods that are out there, a lot of different manufacturers producing units that are smart that are out there are dumbing down the industry. Do you think it is? And do you think it is possibly taking away some of the skill from the trade? Do you think that a less skilled individual in maybe 10, 15 years from now, someone that's just a general laborer can just go fix an HVAC system um, because they have the smart tools and smart units to tell them what's wrong? No, because you, you, you have to learn how to troubleshoot. You could, uh, you could train a monkey to change a compressor right uh, you could t- uh, you, you could take a, a uh, apprentice or a guy off the street in two weeks uh, show him how to do it it's diagnosing it's troubleshooting right and that's that's a skill and that's using your you know, the sixth sense right learning how to you still have to learn how to read a wiring diagram i i was talking to matt a while back um i think our first conversation and he was telling me that he was going for his uh license which we don't have in uh we don't necessarily have a a, a New York State uh, air conditioning license that we have to go to. We have something called the UA Star, uh, which is provided by our union, and that is it was mandatory for the new apprentices, but uh, for the technicians uh, that are already uh, a journeyman, um, it wasn't mandatory. Although my my boss made it mandatory, he said, "Listen, if you're looking to get any any anything over scale." You're going to need to have a have a UA star, and and what's happening is you got a lot of guys, non-union companies, a lot of guys that, are, as I would put, they hide in the shadows for years. They get by, right? But this, uh, but the, the trade, the units are getting smarter. The units are getting more uh, the, the with the, the city city multis and units with more boards uh, that they could be very intimidating. Uh, and uh, you can be left behind, especially guys my age, right? When they're used to uh, working on uh, uh, contactors and stuff like that, and they and we moved into into units that have boards, right? And uh, they they got by with the R twenty two stuff. Now they get the four ten A stuff that's been out for ten years, and uh, and they, they're not they're not making it. They're, you end up getting guys calling you on the phone day and night because and you have to walk them through it okay i'm glad i'm I'm glad you said that mike and and i gotta run in in a couple of minutes so i'm gonna say this and i'll give you guys kind of a a last word because i gotta get going (laughs) um i believe that so the the industry seeing a lot of older technicians leave and there's going to be a lot of a lot of that old old school knowledge leaving the industry but i've always said that a guy that's been in the trade 30 years he could learn something from a guy that's been in the trade for four, five years very, very easily because the the kid that's been in the trade for four or five years is technology savvy already because they've grown up with a cell phone or tablet in their hand and, and they understand the, the link between the machinery and the mobile device in their hand. They, they, they have it down pat already. The, the older tech didn't grow up like that, like you said, with mechanical devices like contactors. So they may walk up to a machinery and have to call um, a younger guy that's been in the field who's technical or tech savvy with the mobile devices and the apps and the Bluetooth and the Wi-Fi and all that. Call him and say, hey, how do I troubleshoot this unit? I got no idea. So there's, there's, that, there's that kind of transition going on right now. 
it's already happened to me uh, with the with the Honeywell Vision Pros, right? I had to call a guy. I had to call uh, a guy that was a couple of years younger than me to to learn how to uh, to to, to uh, program it. I broke it on my ADD, and so I got away with it because I'm just an old guy. <laughs> so you you read the manual for a couple of minutes and, and decided to look away, right? Yeah, Matt. Matt, Matt yeah. what you, Matt? You got got any lost thoughts here before we head out? Uh, I'm still just mentally laughing about Mike's comment there. Well, now really laughing. Um, but I, I think. Uh, your point there, Gary, about uh, younger technicians being a source for you know older technicians to troubleshoot things. I, I, I truly believe, and you've said this in your podcast about uh, your HVAC Guru uh, project, that it's a two-way street. Um, that there may be some struggles in terms of you know learning the technology for older technicians that younger technicians can pick up more readily, but there's still a wealth of HVAC products out there that a younger technician will be intimidated on that a seasoned technician like yourself, like Mike and like others are so well versed in that, you know, you look at it and you got no, you know, second guessing just right off the bat, you you know what you need to do. And it's that interchange of knowledge that's going to grow our trade and make it stronger moving forward. Matt, may I ask you something? Absolutely, Mike. I grew up, me, me and uh, Gary grew up, uh, maybe he grew up, uh, I guess, when he was a younger man with the cell phone. I grew up, uh, in my, as I said, in my first podcast, we had a pager. My pager didn't even have a phone number on it. There was no, and when we were stuck in a job, we would have to call our office. They would have to send our supervisor out, right? Uh, with the younger, with the younger guys, you could be a two-year guy, go out on your own, right? If you have the cell phone, you just call up a tech, and he he can he can walk you through it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's a it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful it's a wonderful wonderful thing. Yeah, and uh, also you know within our the. The realm of social media, you have a wealth of, you know, technicians that have so much knowledge that are willing to share for the most part, depending on, you know, the platform that you're dealing in. Um, I just deal in Instagram and everybody that I've come across in the HVAC family, not everybody, but, you know, the well, vast majority, they're so willing to share their knowledge and, and help. And they are. I, that's they something are. that I, I try to aspire and do as well. Did you ever have a guy that didn't want to share that was just a jerk? Oh, absolutely. I, I've had that in the social media world, uh, more so within, like, I don't want to say real world, but like, you know, face-to-face interaction working at the same company. We've had, I've dealt with technicians that, have massive egos that don't want to share their knowledge, don't want to train you, don't want to help you out. But as soon as they run into a snag on something that you know how to, you know, work on, they're the first person to call you begging for help. And then, you know, do you play the, well, I'm a tit for tat game. That really doesn't, you know, work out in terms of karma and, you know, um, things of that nature. So I'm more inclined to, you know, get them out, help them out of a bind. But as soon as they start coming back with, you know, they figured it out and it was 
all them, it's like, okay, well, you know, fool me once. You come into another situation like that, I will not be inclined to assist you in getting you out of the problem. It'll be, you're going to learn like I learned through trial and error and, you know, a lot of time banging your head against a wall till you figure out what the solution to the issue at hand is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to say this and then, then I got to stop record. Um, you said that it, the, depending on what platform you're on, people are, are willing to help that, that, that's, that's true. But I'm just going to say this about the people that are, that are on Instagram. It was very positive at first because the, the community of technicians was relatively small compared to was it, what it was on these Facebook groups. Now it's starting to get bigger and I'm starting to see a lot of negativity flowing into Instagram. And I was just, if anybody's listening, that's on Instagram and is that way, let's kind of keep it on the, on the positive track because I've lately, I've been getting a lot of uh, negativity and, and stuff like that. I, I've, I've been seeing it a lot and I've been getting messages from people saying, Hey, why is that guy such a dick on your Instagram? I'm like, I don't know, man. He's just, that's just the way he is. So I, I'm at the point now where I really pay no mind. It's like water off a duck's back. Uh, used to really, really bother me, really, really bother me. Like it would keep me up at night, bother me. Now it doesn't. It just, it's just whatever. You want to stop by my page and say some bullshit? Well, whatever. That's, that's on you, man. You're going to take the time to do that. That's on you. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Let's keep Instagram at least positive because Facebook at this point is kind of, it's, it's kind of too far gone as far as the groups go. Mike, Matt, great discussion. I had a lot of fun. We enjoyed a couple of beverages while we talked and that was real cool. I didn't have to come down with a notepad and, and, uh, pretend I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> we just had a, uh, a real kind of tech to tech discussion, which, which was very cool. It was very organic and, and down to earth. And I really enjoyed it. Now, Mike, um, we're all behind you, man. We wish you the best of luck and, and your wife, the best of luck going through this with her and, uh, Take care, guys. Thank you very much. I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production. <laughs>